0: Welcome back to Trust Your Journey. Uh, My name is Nelson Navarro, and I'm here to spread some enlightenment, spread some joy, uh, and hopefully help you out with maybe a few troublesome thoughts or things that you don't really know how to solve obstacles in your path, in your creative journey. Um, To help you with that, On this episode of the show, we have Elijah, well known as one half of the grime DJ duo Elijah and Skillium, and also a co founder of the independent record label Buzz, who've released uh, records from the likes of Flavor D, uh, Royalty, and very recently have released the new Swindle record at the time of recording, which is like 1st of November right now. Um, The Swindle record that came out last week is called The New World, Um, it features collaborations from Nux, Joel Cole, Pepper, Maverick Saber, Green Tea Peng, Carla's on there, KoJ Radical. It's a real creme de la creme of uh, Black British music, in my opinion. Um, Elijah is um, a really talented, not only DJ curator and artist manager, also working with youth music and has previously worked with the Lighthouse in Brighton. So he's got a lot of experience in terms of how coming together as a community can impact and shape the culture that we work in. We mentioned a lot his Yellow Notes in this conversation. Um, If you go on his Twitter at Elijah, spelt with a one instead of an I, um, you can see what he's up to there in terms of posting posting thoughts every day and getting into a habit of doing that for 80 consecutive days. Getting up, writing something down and thinking about what the world is, how we can change it, how we can shape it. Um, Really got a lot of respect and time for this guy. Really grateful to have had a conversation. I think you're really gonna enjoy what you hear. It's just your journey. Thank you so much for listening. Um, and enjoy what is to come. Elijah, welcome to the show, G. Thank you for coming on. You're welcome, man. Thank you for having me. Oh, mate. Let's see. It's a pleasure. It's a real, real pleasure. Um, It sounds like you've been hard at work this week already. I know we're recording on a Monday, the the 1st of November. In fact, the first Monday of the month. Um, How's it been going for you?
1: My uh, my work is like... it's it's, it's easy work in terms of I enjoy everything I do so it's not hard to get me out of bed it's not hard to like make me do the tasks that I need to do or like interact with the people that I work with Um, there's just a lot of it (laughs) that's what makes it hard (laughs) so
0: Uh, uh, I mean you guys it sounds like you guys are kind of coming off the back of a um, of a wicked success because I know you guys have been working on a record for a a real long time putting a lot of love and care into it Um, and it's this new record by Swindle that's just dropped also I didn't realise how Involved um, Nux was going to be in the record, and one other collaborator as well. Who am I forgetting? Um, I think there's three primary artists on the on the release. So, uh, Coachy Radical Coach mm.
1: and uh, Joel Kopepah. I mm. guess they pop up the most.
0: Mm, mm, mm. And that's for for me as a, as a as a fan of the of the UK music culture at the moment, especially the UK Black music culture at the moment. I'm seeing that, and I'm thinking, man, this is royalty. <laughs> this is royalty, man, on a record. um how like how involved have you been like over the last i don't know the the, the production process like how
1: um, been you? so the production was done in june 2020 mm. so they all went to real world studios in bath um so swindle sent out a text to all of his network said come down for a week let's make records together mm. see what happens just for some healing after um, you know the opening up of the pandemic and. Did all the Black Lives Matter conversations and the protests. Just wanted to get some music done. I was still isolating, so I wasn't actually able to be part of it in the room at the time. But um, obviously, got to be part of the post-production. You know, a lot of the layout of the ideas. Um, after that, some of the art direction stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess, like, because it was done last June, um, we had a lot of time to sit and reflect on the music, what we want to do with it, how we want to put it out the business behind it and yeah I know it's a year and some change later mm. but I feel like it was really good timing for it to come out now mm. like it been released during the height of lockdown we would have missed a lot of like promotional opportunities we would have missed a lot of um just using it as an, a thing to bring people back together in real life so we've done some collaborations this week with um, YouTube um with PMC the speaker company mm. Like so you have like the, you can listen to the music in surround sound if you've got Apple music and um, like one of the songs Blow Your Trumpet um, the instrumental was featured in Apple's keynote um, that went out a couple mm. of weeks ago so you had like Tim Cook over a Swindle instrumental mm-hmm. which was which was sick so I'm a big Apple fan so
0: to the world man to the world.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, man. There's a lot of things that, like, was... If we did did it, if we put it out, like, say, like, the couple weeks after we made it, it just wouldn't have had that kind of impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, like, proper, properly grateful for, like, the, the time timing and the layout how mm-hmm. has come together. Mm-hmm. Respect, man. No, I respect that. It's,
0: it's actually wonderful hearing the kind of levels that this music is going, do you know what I mean? Because for, all of you are incredibly talented individuals and incredibly dedicated individuals and seeing the fruits of that labor take it to such heights is i i find that extraordinarily inspiring for extraordinarily ex- inspiring for real but in terms of what you in terms of what you're talking about in terms of um like you say obviously you're you're a big apple fan right and getting to a place now where it's like i don't know if it i know that on this the whole thing of the journey is like sometimes you look around and, and madnesses are happening and it's like, yo, like, <laughs> when did we reach this? When do we reach these pinnacles where you look around, and you're like, wow, like I'm collaborating with, I'm collaborating with people that I idolise and brands that I idolise, and I'm in spaces where I'm looking around, and I'm like, raw, like I've put myself in this space, and I'm sitting around some really influential people, some really talented people, some really people that I really admire. Like, how is it? How is it feeling for you, man? Like Tim Cook walking out to a Swindle production, like, you know, how how is that feeling?
1: nowadays it feels like everything is in the realms of possibility so uh, uh, it's exciting but at the same time we 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 live at the same time as Tim Cook we live at the same time as Apple so that's mm. a possibility there's nothing now where I I really say oh, I can't believe it you know what I mean I just see all this stuff all the time now where you know people say oh we live in assimilation because they're not they're just mind blown that some of these things happening mm. but I see like Little Sims in a Barack Obama playlist. I see um you know when <laughs> Kanye and Skepta was on stage together rapping. Like I was, uh, you've seen so much stuff that shouldn't happen by the definitions of what's happened before, but that's not, that's not how the world works. It's like constantly evolving. And yeah, like it's gonna be normal for that kind of stuff to happen now. And to be honest, for the for the projects, to work and be sustainable financially, we need injections of funding from bigger institutions. So it doesn't work as just say, you know putting it on streaming and just getting streams and that's it. It needs you know Apple, it needs a PMC, it needs brands and and other kind of things to lift it up and put it into eyes and ears that might not get. It. Like one of the songs is in um, the update of Grand Theft Auto. Mm. Um, one more with green tea pang? And it's been in there for months, like six, seven months ahead of the release. <laughs> yeah, we just never said anything. We just, like, <laughs> let's see, let's just see if people notice what it is. And, and then, <laughs> I, I, I like I've that. have been seeing their little <laughs> tweets this week, and oh, oh, that's what that song was. Like I've been hearing it in Grand Theft but we never flagged any attention to it. So just little things like that it, it makes the projects um, work for everyone financially, and and it gets the music into people's. Day to day, like if you're playing GTA and not trying to find us, we found you.
0: Mm. Mm. Kind of allows that to to just you know that thing of discovery. I think is always a beautiful thing when uh it's the equivalent of like instead of someone like coming up to you and trying to sell you this, I don't know, this ring or this jewelry or this bracelet. You have a shelf of stuff, and you're someone's just minding their own business, flicking through, looking for something. All of a sudden, they see something that they really like and they think it's really beautiful. And they're like, ah, this is awesome. I love this. I feel like I've discovered something. I feel like I own this before I even own it. You know what I'm saying?
1: Um, exactly. And many people are going to hear the music and never interact with us. You know, I, sometimes, I listen, you know, if I listen to like Six Music or something and you just hear the song come on, not everyone is going to go and search out, oh, what's this? Like, who is this artist? Or who is, the, what label is on? Who produced it? And no one, like, not, no one cares, but a lot of people do that but they still hear it and they still might enjoy it and that's enough for me that's like a good hook into someone becoming a not becoming a fan but you know the old method of like saying like releasing an album and then going dark for a year and a half or two years or three years or doing some sort of Adele kind of thing where you just (laughs) pop up for most artists that's not going to (laughs) work Mm. And and for for us, like the place we're at in our life, it's not a place. Where it's not how we're going to get better. It's mm. not how we're going to learn. It's not how we're going to interact with new people. I think that model is for for emerging artists or for anyone that is trying to make a living off it. it, it, it trying to be as consistent as possible in terms of or regular as possible, not just consistent, but regular, and um, trying out different things is it makes you Black like, really interesting to follow. Obviously, sometimes there might be like too much stuff, but hey, it's better than not enough most of the time.
0: It seems like there's a lot of um, there's a lot of role models for emerging artists that do you know portray that kind of behaviour. you know, you're like your Frank's, Adele's, um, who else? The Frank Ocean, I mean. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, definitely a few other artists that I know that that do go dark. You know, in between releases, and I think obviously it can be a bit misleading when people like that. Of that calibre, they have a they have a major label machine behind them, and so on and so forth. And it's like sometimes I feel like emerging artists are doing themselves a disservice by being like, yeah, cool, I can be like this mysterious person, like right from the get go, when no one knows me, you know, when no one knows me, and I'm still trying, to, I'm still establishing myself, like you say, being an emerging artist.
1: It just depends what you want out of this thing, and you know? it's like if you if you're If you're trying to get better or if you're trying to grow as an artist, I don't want to say better, if you're trying to grow as an artist and expand what you do Mm. and um, you're you're not even creating, because some people will just not create for for extended periods of time, which Mm. I find crazy, Mm. then you're not growing. Mm. So I I can understand when someone doesn't want to put out music all the time, doesn't want to be tweeting or TikTok all the time. Fair enough. But there's going to be limitations in terms of, for most people, in terms of your audience building, in terms of like anything really. Mm. (laughs) If you only put out, if if you're lucky enough to just put out one or two songs a year and be able to make a living, then you are in the upper echelons of the 1%. Mm But I don't really work in that uh, reality. I kind of try and made the odds work in your (laughs) favour more than being in the upper 1% because even in the thing, in whatever I do, I I don't, I'm not in the upper 1% of it. I'm in the 1%, I guess, because I earn a living through music. Mm. So that is already a a 1% thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And a a decent living through in that bit is in that slight upper. Mm. But I couldn't do less than I do and still pay for my groceries
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah trust man trust do we want to be an Audi or Waitrose I guess do you know what I'm
1: saying yeah so um my house is an Audi house at the moment yeah and I, I could live like that for the rest of my life as fine look like the fake Pringles yeah but it's not it's not that there's some of the things obviously like what happened last year you're not going to be in your control so you want to have you know Backup and reserves and other things going on in other places. So mm. if this if this thing goes down, then you can pivot. Mm. And I think the last whatever few years it's people have seen my ability to pivot more than not even more than, but just I just I just do it. Just the ability, of, uh, yeah. I mean i the ability.
0: Speak on that, G like how like obviously I mean I think I think a lot of us have pivoted, even if it's not necessarily into a good into a direction that we wanted over that whole, over that whole time. Like, what, how are you s- steering your ship? Because I, I, I've I seen it, I've been, well, from the outside anyway, I've been seeing, you know what I mean, the Twitters and and um, the, the, the Yellow Notes, which I'm, I'm loving, by the way. I'm, I'm really loving. Um, And maybe, I mean, maybe actually you can explain that process to the listeners as well, maybe people who aren't aware, because um, I think it's a real, it's a real benefit for anyone to in, in the music yeah. industry, definitely.
1: Uh, I guess the confusion about what I do is, I'm an artist, effectively. But then I'm not a frontline artist. I'm not putting out music under the name Elijah and promoting stuff, and you know, have a radio show or on television or anything. But I work behind the scenes on a label called Butters. Um, I DJ with a partner called Skillium and we run that company together but us and we manage uh, Flavoured East, DJ DJQ and Royalty together. So um, all of their music, no matter where it comes out, if it comes out on their own labels or hospital or whatever, wherever. we work behind the scenes on those projects. Um, so I do like many things. And then, you know, a few years ago I worked with Lighthouse, and did kind of curation and art and exhibitions and stuff like that. And um, now work with youth, youth music, kind of doing getting money in people's hands to deliver projects. So there's quite a few different strands. And the yellow notes is what I learned through doing all of those things. Um, so sometimes people might only know my work as like a grind DJ. For a period of time and then they're like what What, what, what do you know about this stuff but uh, I've been doing all these stuff kind of <clears throat> all at the same time effectively um, but my artist persona not persona but my artist profile has only spoken about you know music or grime or MCs and stuff and now I've tried to open out and broadly speak about all the work I do together in one place and just just be more transparent basically like, I think before I've not I wasn't transparent I was more it was it it wasn't to not be transparent, it was just because the focus of my social media was the artistic production. Whereas now the last few months I've just been speaking about what it's like to earn a living in art and music sustainably and any help I can be, whether that's little insights into like projects or or just answering questions to be honest. Like most people like most of the questions people ask me are the same or bordering on the same things. So I can answer them publicly instead of having to do it individually mm. like hundreds of times.
0: It seems like there's a lot of speculation in that you're doing in these, in a sense. What do you mean? In a sense of um, maybe speculation's is not, not necessarily as accurate as I can get when I say that. Maybe imagination, maybe, is a better phrase yeah. in terms of imagining from fut- futurist thinking, right? In terms of. Um, this is where we are, look around me right now, this is what I'm seeing, you know, you, like you're saying from all these different, um, you've, been, you've been DJing for ages, you've been managing artists for ages, more recently you've been working, um, you've been working with government organisations, you've been working funding projects for Emerging artists, and all the things that that entails, and, you know, alongside living as a, as a human and creating yeah, music as a, as a human you know and, and being, being a human right and then as you're looking around this is this is my kind of my interpretation of like how i see it you know it's like looking around and thinking well why is this you know what like walking into a house and being like well this doesn't really make sense you know what i'm saying this layout doesn't really make sense so in my head i'm imagining i'm talking from your perspective now like i'm imagining why, why can't we move the sofa over there do you know what i mean because then the light from the window shines in a little bit better and it kind of like feels like you have a bit more sense of well-being or like well why why don't we have a why is it this, this doormat is looking a bit clapped why don't we get a new one maybe with a different kind of fabric and then actually you know your shoes aren't tracking dirt in these these little these these small incremental changes you see i'm being obviously i'm being metaphorical right and it's like yeah, yeah. these small incremental changes that and i feel like that's what i see you proposing a lot on twitter and, the, and these things that the, the quote-unquote common sense, that it's like when you take a step back and you kind of address, like like a lot of us have been over this lockdown um, and you address like, right oh, okay cool, so I've been in this industry for however long, you know, and this is applicable to people outside of the music industry as well, you know, I've been in, in this industry for hella long and now I'm not in any industry almost because it's like, there's so much downtime. So I've got this unheralded amount of free time where I can look around and be like, Questioning like, oh wait, is this really the best way to do things? Is the way I've been doing things the best way to do things? Do you see what I'm
1: saying? Yeah, um, yeah. That, that's 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 kind of how I think about things. So, um, don't know if you're like familiar with the term like first principles. No, I'm not. So, kind of work with the idea that if you were starting today, how would you make it, rather than basing it on a, what already exists? Mm. So, for example, if you were, if you were didn't, if you if you were making a car, would you make it with like how it's been historically made over the last hundred years or would you make it with the technology and information that you have today? You would obviously make it with the technology and information they have today. Like someone starting a label now doesn't have to think about, you know, unless they want to, think about vinyl pressing and record shops and radio and all this kind of stuff, especially if you didn't grow up on that culture. Like you can just do what serves your art best in 2021, 2022. And that's going to have a very, very different make up to the way I might think about music. And that's good. So I shouldn't give you advice on how to do that. I think someone... I would only give you advice on how to think about how to do your own thing, rather than how to do it. So I'm trying to, like, not give prescriptive solutions for people because you you will think about it in a different way to what I will and that's going to be your competitive edge that's what's going to be the most interesting like people will interpret things that I say in ways that I don't I can't even imagine and that's what makes it interesting to me that's what's like I write that way deliberately to see what happens. So, like, people respond back and they say, oh, I, I was, I'm was i going to take this idea and run with it. Like, they're stealing something from me. I'm like, no, that's, just, that's the idea. <laughs> like, take take the the principles of what is there and then whatever your idea is, is yours. It's not mine. Like, I didn't... I might have sparked something, but, you know, it's not my ideas. My ideas are going to be different by nature. It would be me. That's fine. That's why I can, I can show you my hand. I don't think this thing is, like needs to be a secret like this thing is about execution of ideas rather than you know like the old music industry or like this is not music specific but it would be like hide your work you know and put my hand over it so you can't see what I'm doing that would be labels the advantage like your
0: records,
1: yeah that would be the advantage whereas like now I can just show you everything I'm doing and it wouldn't it wouldn't mean that you could just walk in and do it. That's not really the point, and that's the probably the best kind of competitive edge to have. Like it's like a company giving away all their patents. Yeah. You can give, you know, what I mean, uh, whatever, I Tesla or whatever. software and whatnot. You yeah, know. you can give Tesla can give away all the patents, and it doesn't have any impact on their business model because their advantage is in their engineers and execution. So, someone having the same information a swindle doesn't make two swindle. Mm. There's only one. Someone having the same information as Flavor D, it doesn't replicate a Flavor D. It just doesn't. Mm. And that's where it's interesting for me.
0: Mm, Because I think it's almost like this trend that I see in the workplace, like people starting like results only work environments, where it's like come in whatever time you want. Like we don't care. Like you can come in at like 6 p.m. if you want to work till 11. Bearing in mind, you know, certain provisos are met, you know, that you attend certain meetings, what have you. What we really care about is you achieving the result that we require. Do you know what I mean? Which is leadership really. Leadership is exactly. leadership is coordinating people and facilitating them reaching the end goal that the leader is is set to achieve, right? Or that the community is set to achieve really. It shouldn't really be about the, the, the leader is really a facilitator in my mind. And what you're talking about is like you can show the you can show the path. Do you know what I'm saying? You can show the path, you can show this is how I got there. Do you know what I mean? Here's how to make a here's how to make a kick drum. Here's you know like YouTube YouTube tutorials, what have you. Here's how to make uh, like when producers give when producers give away their sound kits. Do you know what I mean? Like um, Monty Booker, if you've ever come across him, one of my favorite producers ever. I think he's uh, similar in similar to Swindle in the way that there's so many people who have a like a sonic footprint. You know, and you hear something and it's it's audible because it's it you recognise that. I think Jevin is a person in the UK that does that as well um a a sonic a sonic footprint and then those people say okay cool look here's here's my sounds take them here use it like like you say it's it's not gonna lead to someone else sounding exactly the same like me you might get some imitations and some replicas and you know some like some people say like it's a form of flattery you know it's a form of admiration i think more than flattery i think it's a i like your sound so much that i want to i want to make it myself i want to see what happens when people follow that train of thought for long enough humans don't exist in a vacuum we don't exist in just oh i like you and that's the only th- influence on my entire life you know we're we're surrounded by stuff bro. like we're surrounded by you know like you might like you might like skrillex and you might also like Bonivet and you might also like fka twigs and it's like all of you might also like lenny kravitz like so it's like just because you really admire one type of artist i think people kind of Maybe go into the misrepresentation. It's like when I give my, when I gi- when I show my hand, when I give stuff away, that all of a sudden it's like their special source is like evap- evaporated, like that is scarce. When actually it's like it's like a fountain, bro. Like it's coming from you all the time, every day. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um,
1: yeah, like even, even with the notes that I put out, it's like, you know, they're not good every day. And maybe that's part of like demystifying like what good work actually is. It's like you don't, you're not going to be a nine every day. That's the point.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like the actual ability to do it every day is what I think is like part of the skill. The discipline, turning up every day, answering questions and doing it for, I did it for eight, eight, 80 days in a row. Mm-hmm. Kind of, whatever, prove my point that can be done. But then next year, I'm going to do every day for 365 days. Just as a a mental challenge for myself. Mm. And level it up in terms of like broader ideas, things that obviously, this has been mainly from a music perspective, but things that I think might help people in broader life. And obviously that impacts creative too, right? So um, I've got to try and and push out into topics that people might not expect, but again, that's what makes it interesting for me too. And hopefully, the co- the content of what I'm putting out there, people understand how it then creates connects to the creative, and mm. people understand. Oh, like this is how you think. Okay, now I understand why you know, but is like this, or why are you manage in this way, or why you don't do certain things. Like, could we become more apparent? I think bef- before. My my rhetoric or whatever, it was framed as being independent, just do your thing by yourself and fuck the man. It's like, that's not really what I'm about. But I think over the 365 days, people might hopefully, like if I write it well enough, be able to string together like what my worldview is and I'll put out some interesting content and hopefully with other partners and friends and ways of working, you get to see sides of people that you can't really communicate in music well, but we'll see, we'll see how it goes.
0: How do you feel about um, having set yourself that challenge now? Obviously, where, where are we at? Well, 1st of November, so um, obviously two years, and I'm assuming it will be f- 1st of January, 31st of December, right? That's um, right. So, how, I mean, how are you feeling now in, in knowing that that's uh, something you're going to be pursuing over next year? You know, now knowing now that, because I'm assuming you're taking a break then, From now?
1: Yeah, so I've taken a break, um, but I won't do any posts for November and December. But it's only just, I'm only taking a break so I can be fully committed to the projects that I've already, you know, I'm already signed up for. Mm. So this this daily thing came out randomly. This was, it wasn't something that I architected. This was just something that I started and then rolled on and rolled on and rolled on. And then, then when I got a bit of time to think about it, I was like, okay, this can be a thing. And it magnetized a lot of um, positive opportunities. So I thought, okay, well, let me just do it properly. Let me um, take some time and consider the impact of the words I'm putting out every day a bit more. Mm-hmm. And build something that people just don't expect. I think mean, I think all the suggestions I've had for this over the last eighty days have been ideas that I don't wanna do. Mm-hmm. And that's good too. It's like it's good that people are thinking about this thing in a way I'm completely not thinking about it. So hopefully all of the work and stuff I put out will be like a bit of a, not a surprise but it'll be like oh okay I didn't see it going this way mm. oh okay like is this what this is becoming rather than like the, the, obviously the most common message I get is you need to put all of these in a book <laughs> and, and every time I see it I just go okay cool this is what you think this is uh-huh. but it's not it's not a book it's not that kind of thing um, this this what we're doing is shooting at a moving target and if you put it in a book it's already antiquated because Mm -hmm. the world is changing so fast. So, hopefully, you know, there's going to be things that will be timeless but there's going to be things that might work in that 30-day period. There's going to be reflections that I might feel on the 22nd of April that I don't feel on the 22nd of September. Mm -hmm. And I think it's nice to capture them. Like, if anyone has ever ever written like a diary or written notes or can, can kind of look back on things that they've said or know, ambitions that they've had. Um, Because so much of my, like, stuff is on the internet. I can go back and, like, read the interview I've done in, like, 2011. Or, like, watch stuff that I filmed Mm. in 2010. Mm. So, like, I'm more mindful now of, like, what I'm saying about the future. Because I've seen the future that I was talking about 10 years ago happen. Uh, So, you know, I can look at 2011, me, talking about the what ifs of the crime scene. Mm. And many of those what ifs happen. Now that, you know, I think with, with crime everything that most people would want it to happen has happened in some form or some in some form or fashion. Mm. And the next decade, I've got a thread about this like the the future of black British music, an optimistic future of black British music. Mm. All of the things that could possibly happen, mm. and some just seem like really obvious, and then some are a bit like, What, well, why is a rapper gonna own a football club?
0: I know a rapper that owns a football club, it's I, I know one,
1: there you go. But I mean, in the national league, and oh, yo, yeah, scale just, it up, just, scale it up, why not? It's, yeah, it's not even why not, it's just like I can see a route to that happening, yeah, for today. sure. The links are, in all, there. The links by, are all there, 2021, the links are you know. Twenty thirty one. It's like, well, where are, are these clubs going to get their financing from? You know, the billionaires have the Premiership clubs. The next level down have the the National League clubs. Who are they going to be the next? You know, wealthy people that would be funding these kind of things. Mm. How the how do people connect in the community? Is through sport. Mm. It's through music, and the most recognizable people in sport and music um, from the UK usually. Yeah, black people from ends, basically. So. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Yeah, in, in a decade's time, when when some of the, the people that are, you know, 28 now and have been, have been on, you know, 200 grand a week at a premiership club, yeah. what are they going to do? They're not all going to be pundits on match of the day. Yeah. They're going to be the entrepreneurs. They're going to be people funding the next wave of culture.
0: I think it's like as well, because we're seeing it from my perspective, I'm seeing through music through entertainment like this this democratization or maybe redistribution of serious levels of wealth serious levels of wealth because yep. like you say bruv black people from ends are getting massive platforms to earn money and also to gather influence to gather fame because but all of those three things are very crucial because you can have some without having the other basically you can have money have no fame no influence you can have fame you can have no influence no no money i'd pay a lot of attention to the american sphere of um of wealthy rappers because i think it's very well documented over there like you say about how how things are documented i know we've had a conversation about this about the responsibility of the curator and a responsibility to accurately to be archiving things and to be um to be showing things to the world because we have these opinions that that may later on turn into something that's incredible and it's like okay cool this is this is the path we're charting this journey and in terms of like the history of like you know looking back at the 90s the noughties where you had people entering into music who were, f- who were broke from ends and left music now with essentially empires, you know, essentially corporations, you know, massive money factories, you know, money generators. And it's like, where, where, where's that money going to go? Do you know what I'm saying? And as time goes on, it seems like it's becoming more and more accessible as the wealth in the, in the globe, as the global, I don't know, global pot- potential wealth, the potential wealth of the whole, civilization of humanity is increasing all the time because we're finding more and more ways to create wealth to distribute wealth to trade to communicate with each other to build new things to create technology that and then allows us to build new things and it's this kind of acceleration of all this stuff that's happening do you know what i'm saying so yeah it's it's mad what it's almost like, like you know how the population's increasing, right? And how... The global population. Yeah, the global population, yeah. right? So it's like the more the population increases, obviously, the more resources we require, the more we consume. And then at the same time, it's not just a linear thing. It's not just like, oh, there's more people, so we need more food. It's like, it starts going um, logarithmic, because you've got more a, popul- a larger population density, communities start getting bigger also start getting more diverse which impacts things, do you know what I'm saying? There's more money and there's also more people with less money and there's more people with more money, there's more people getting richer, there's more people getting poorer, there's more people dying, there's more people being born and all of these things start to have impacts on the society and on the culture. So, I don't know, it's interesting G because you're a person that makes a lot of predictions and a lot of... Um,
1: yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't even call them predictions. They're more like possibilities. And I, I think a lot of the way we write about stuff or write about culture is, or a lot of people that are in it, they they talk about it as if it's going to stay the same. So if they if people talk about, oh, my album is coming out in July, twenty twenty two, and now it's November, they'll talk about music as if it's just nothing is going to happen, hmm. or culture is not going to change, or there is not going to be an event that moves society. So imagine that those people that made records before the pandemic, and then just released them as if nothing was happening. It it, it just felt weird because it was just so. It wasn't. It wasn't. It's just tone deaf, you know. And the awareness, and in the future, now that we know what a pandemic looks like and feels like, another one can happen that could be worse. That's in the realms of possibility now, right? We know what a, we know what a London terrorist attack feels like. We know what a New York terrorist attack feels like. We don't really know what like a humanitarian crisis looks like in Sunderland. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know how the country would react because we haven't experienced it yet. But those are the things in the realms of possibility. You know, we see, sometimes we see these things about floods in the UK, and because of where I live, I'm just completely disconnected from it. It doesn't feel like real to me, it's just stuff on the television. But then to someone else, it feels like their world is ending. And I guess like when when I'm writing these things, it's it's in consideration of hey, maybe you know the climate is going to change completely. Something's completely unrecognizable to what we're used to today, or we've historically been used to. But it doesn't mean that football isn't going to stop. Like for, like clearly, if we can play football during the pandemic, football isn't going to stop because of climate. Mm. No matter what, mm. culture is not going to stop if we're locked indoors. Mm. We experienced that, and when people are able to get back out, we're going to see what happens. Mm. I don't know; just all all possibilities are interesting to me, and I work with that idea. And nothing is going to stay the same, and that is exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Like that's the same same reason. I'm like you know, I, I started out in the gram scene, and the reason that I existed and technologically was because of pirate radio. Mm. And now that's not a thing anymore. People are always like, oh, what is crime? Like, where is the next crime thing? It's like, the thing that created it, incubated it in the first place, is no longer the center of the universe mm. or for, for a group of people. Mm. So whatever we do now, it's just, it might be sonically in the same space, but it's not that same thing. Mm. And it's fine. Like, I'm comfortable with that. Um, that's why you can't, it's like, it's very difficult to, you know when someone says about real something, or mm. like, well, Authentic. You can't make real funk or real soul yeah. without this or you can't make real grime without this. It's like, bro, yeah. like what is real? Like everything is new, everything. Trust your journey. Trust your journey. Trust your journey.
0: How do you view what's happening in the UK space with Drill and, and the, um, the the popularization of Drill right now in terms of like the continuation of the spirit of grime music? How do, how do you view that?
1: Um, I don't know. I just think it, it, it just it's, it's not the same. But music, especially British music, is based on incentives, right? So if it, if a trend is happening, you make music in trends so you can get heard. Like there's people that are making drill now that could be any kind of artist that they wanted to be, if they wanted to do something else. But they're choosing to do that so they can be listened to. Mm and Grime was like that UK Funky was like that Garage was like that They might that might not be their core passion it's just the way that you use. that's the vessel you used to get heard mm. um, you know in terms of the popularisation of 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 Drill it's just like if we were using it as a comparison to Grime like Grime was like based in a club as a club culture mm. um, and Drill is like more of a listening YouTube visual culture mm. it's like a, it's like a completely different thing um it's not really like it's not something I really listen to to be honest. Like, it's not really my cup of tea musically. But I I I respect it as an art form and I respect like anything that gets people creative and makes people excited about linking up and doing stuff together. Mm. Like I'm always pro. It's funny, like with with with, with Drew in particular. You know, if you if you're if you are more like historically known for kind of a particular scene, you're always seen as like the, you know, you might not like that or support it or think there's rubbish or something. But I don't really think anything is bad. Mm. <laughs> I don't I don't even really think about it that much. There's going to be things that I like, things that I don't, but I don't I don't judge the whole thing as a unit because I didn't I didn't think that was helpful in grime, so I wouldn't do that. True. Mm.
0: Mm. It's, I I feel like um I feel like I'm seeing a lot of parallels in terms of how I'm seeing something manifest and grow and become popular in terms of how um, I think less of a comparison I'm seeing it more as like a it feels like a it feels like a continuation of a single thread in a way or maybe a divergence of a certain thread because I think when I'm looking at drill it's like I'm seeing a predominantly young black culture or sub subculture I don't know. A, just call it a culture, mm-hmm. become widely popularized, and also kind of regarded and frowned upon as like, ah, it's violent, it's aggressive, it's negative for, it's negative for my suburban white kids, um, and they're doing it anyway, you know, and it's interesting because I, th- I like how I'm liking how you frame gr- grime around how crucial the how crucial the role of pirate radio is into the incubation, I think is the word you use, you know, the incubation of grime. And I guess also the proliferation of grime, because that was the transmission, that was the transmission medium. And right now we're looking at, I think the reason I'm talking about this is because when you mentioned the idea of first principles, this is what I kind of feel like Drill is doing, is it's taking this spirit that resulted and manifested as grime music in our history in our British musical history, or black British musical history. And it's now that same mindset, that same attitude, that same path, um, I feel like is manifesting in today as drill because the methods of production, you've got people just rocking up with cameras, you've got pe- that kind of equipment, that level of equipment, that level of visual production. You've got black Black youths and ends who have mad camera equipment, you know? you got people with mad studios in their bedrooms like of serious kind of quality you know and everyone has access to a youtube channel quote unquote everyone you know so many people have access to the internet so many people have access to a free video software that they can download so many people and there's almost like this precedent that's been set before definitely i think by grime in the black british um identity of music in terms of the hood video which is like one of the most popular tropes i think in drill right now do you know what i'm saying of let's get everybody from ends let's all go round the block you know everyone come through do your thing we're gonna be popping off We someone's gonna have the portable speaker and we're gonna even think even things like that do you know what I'm saying even things of a portable bluetooth speaker which is which is new right in this context. Yeah, but that didn't happen
1: in Grime because of, it was Grime. It just happened because of the technology being available at the time. Precisely. So that That's that's what's, what's mad. It's like we have this situation where in the early 2000s, everyone got through loops and these kind of production software for the first time. Yeah. And it democratized it at one level. And now we're seeing like 10 years of dem- or 15 years of democratization of, of music production in general. So there's a lot of people mm. that might not have been magnetised to music, or didn't feel like music was an option for them creatively. That I now know for certain, and yeah, Graham does inspire that. Graham does it like make someone go, right? I could do that, and that's a beautiful thing. And the same with draw when people go, right? Is that that how you pound off a tune? Yeah, cool. And they go and approach it in their own way. That's it's sick, man. It's like really nice to see. And to be honest. When you have, like, I mean, some of my work is like entry, entry points, right? And if drill is your entry point to being an artist or considering yourself something more than someone else is telling you that you are, it's, it's a great mm. thing. It's a great thing for someone maybe that is on the fringe of a society to be able to say, I'm an artist or I, I'm, I've got an imagination and I'm able to mm. display it or I can... I can make something with my hands. It's like being a, a, a craftsman, you know what I'm saying? Like, you, 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 knowing that you can make something out of nothing, it's a superpower. And then I can't underestimate like the impact of these things psychologically on people. Mm. Like once you know that you can like roll up a tune or you can get information out of a computer or you can put your ideas mm. down and create something like even if like it doesn't talk about money if it just, it just makes something yeah, yeah. It, it, gives, it gives people confidence that there's not many other things that can do that.
0: I think we're seeing that all the time in our line of work specifically is working with young people that see that all the time in the terms of Allowing someone to f- to feel and believe, more importantly, believe. Feeling feeling it for the first time and then it developing into a belief of, oh, I can shape my reality and I can control my environment. In the, in the base level of, I can find an instrumental in this context, right? I can find an instrumental on YouTube and an hour or two later have created uh, a song. I've created a record and a song, you know? Of cre- and I can play that back and now all of a sudden when I play that to people versus me playing them strictly the instrumental I can play that to my friends, I can play that to my homies maybe I'm even going to a show and I'm doing that and whereas previously before, I st- before maybe and I'm talking about this from the perspective of maybe a young person a disenfranchised young person who looks around and is like what's going, like what, what am I going to do in life, like what impact do I have in life you know, who listens to me even just as a as a person in my wider society who cares about what I have to say, what what impact am I really going to have on my environment? Like, my environment is something that happens to me. And then all of a sudden, when they they they, real, they go through this process of realising, like, rah, when I can make tunes and now everyone's dancing. No one was dancing before. And then I put on my tune and now people are singing the words and people are coming up to me and saying, oh, I, I love what you're doing. Like, I admire you. Do you know what I'm saying? And for a lot of people who... Um, maybe I'm getting constantly told all these constantly reading all these signals from society that like oh I'm not wanted, I'm not part I'm not expected to be in anywhere good, you know I'm expected to get kicked out of my classroom, I'm expected to mess about, I'm expected to be naughty. Um, I'm expected to go and do crime, I'm expected to go and do drillings, I'm expected to go and, you know, rob people up, I'm expected to go and trap out somewhere. All of a sudden, like, the amount of people that are seeing music and being like, raw, like, as therapy, or, or as, as, as an empowerment tool. Some people actually use it as a whole vehicle to get out of the streets, calm, that's beautiful. And then some people use it as a vehicle of actually getting out of their mind, getting out of the cage that they've put around themselves in their mind. That they've built, having seen this world around them, and being like, "Oh, okay, I guess this is where I belong." Then, do you see? Do you see where I'm coming from there?
1: Yeah, like for me, it was like an escape of being seen as average, mm. and that has its own kind of trappings. So it's like, "Oh, well, you to school, college, uni, and just get a job, and nothing else was expected of anyone teaching me." It's like, "Well, you're just an average student, get average grades." you're going to have an average job, have an average life. And there's nothing wrong with that if that's what you set out to do. But I knew that why I was producing average results in education is because I wasn't inspired. And that, like I, w- I think I would have got better grades if like, what was put in front of me motivated me. or I, under- I, I knew how to learn, like how, what learning, what kind of learning gets into my head. Mm. Like I used to think that I was bad at maths because... I just didn't get good results at math, so I wasn't taking it in. And now I know it's because it was the way I was taught. Or I couldn't learn things in certain ways. But now I know how I can take in information. It's not held me back as an adult. I didn't know that until I was in my mid-20s. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, they might never discover how they learn best. And it's such a shame. Because like, I've had to learn so much independently. I found my own way of like getting information yeah. in and you know what to disregard and it's hard as well like when you have to when, as an adult dissect things that you were taught as a child or taught or even as a young adult that are just like fundamentally don't serve you or not true you know like if you went to school in the 90s you still would have been told that Christopher Columbus discovered America you know what I mean mm-hmm. you, and so there's something really basic but you have to like unlearn things like that or you have to question you know, why you were told it in this way. You have to, you know, you have to engage with certain parts of your belief system that don't serve you anymore. Mm. And um, I've been lucky enough to have the headspace to be able to do that in my my day-to-day work, you know, doing music and working with, you know, Flavody and Swindle and Skillium and having alternative perspectives through travel, um, through dealing with different artists, through, you know yeah, all the kind of work that I do that challenges that. So that's kind of what the daily things will go into a bit more when I'm kind of going through all the things that I've Mm. learned to be true, that people still say today. Mm. And it doesn't matter if you believe something to be true sometimes, or even if it is true, but if it doesn't serve you, then like analysing your engagement with it. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: Mm. Don't don't you think there's a bit of an interesting um, reaction that happens when... You're going through uh, sorting and un- I think unpacking's a word that gets used a lot. Things in your life that you kind of realise to be realised to be false. Do you see what I'm saying? Like as in putting yourself in a position, putting yourself in a new position that um, that you weren't before as a result of that.
1: I know why I'm here today. Like mm-hmm. I know I'm here because you know if you want to extrapolate it, some people enslaved elder generations, put them. In Jamaica, one of my great-great-grandparents was a um, refugee f- fleeing Syria, went to Jamaica, met my great-great-granddad, had kids, you know, in Jamaica, then they had kids, and then they had my grandma. My grandma had my mom, moved to England, left my mom in Jamaica, then my mom came here, and after whatever, 15 years, had me. I know why I'm in England, I know why... You know, my grandma is a Catholic. She would have been something else if she was born at a different time. I know why I'm in East London. Like, this is where, like, they they came here, they came to me. So I'm just still, like, I'm close to him now. Mm-hmm. And there's no mystery of how I got here. So going forward, it's like, okay, now I know all that, at least... I can kind of dissect. Okay, why? Why? Why am I a Catholic? Why did I go Catholic school? Oh, it's because of that. Okay, why do? Why do we believe this? Why do we eat this? Like, why? Why is this tradition? Like, oh, why is Christmas on this? Yeah, I mean, like all these questions, and I, I enjoy that. And not even just to challenge it and say, "Oh, this is trash," or "This, I believe in this instead of that." It's more like I just know why I believe it, or I know why it's that way. And it's made me challenge a lot of things in my personal life. Yeah, down to like what I eat, you know. Like I, I always talk about hydration on, on, um, on Twitter and on Instagram. Just like, why are you coming on this app before you had a glass of water? And all this kind of
0: stuff. <laughs> and it's not the typical uh, stuff in our yeah. says
1: but it's, it's true. It's like you're engagement with something that is like highly addictive before you've even like had... Uh, any kind of moisture or <laughs> any hydration in your body. But people don't really say it that way. You just, just, just it's just become normal. But the only reason it's become normal is because you decided now to put the computer in the bed with you when you go to sleep mm-hmm. and then look at it first thing. But that, mm-hmm. again, if, if you extrapolate this in history, in the past, let's just say 6,000 years, it's in only in the last 10 that people would have done that. Mm-hmm. So. We are dealing with these things for the first time. And I know that sounds like a bit over the top sometimes with the way I think about things, but
0: no, I, th- I you know what I, I really think that that's the kind of, that's the kind of thinking that that brings us to new that brings us to new places and new realizations. Because although maybe we were previously putting stuff in the bed that is a distraction, mm. you know, maybe people are reading a book before they go to bed and then they wake up and the first thing they do is read the book, do you know what I'm saying? And at the same time, that has its own knock-on effects, you know, positive and negative, just as the, the smartphone in the bed has its own effects, positive and negative. I think it's like learning to identify the variances and, okay, cool, this new stuff is happening, like people are getting too much blue light in their eyes and people's sleep patterns are being affected. And then what happens epigenetically a couple generations down the line, when you've got a bunch of bunch of human beings that have been exposing their eyes to blue light like nonstop, like how is that gonna, what's that gonna manifest in like three or four generations' time as that continues and probably likely accelerates? Do you, do you see where I'm coming from? Yeah,
1: it's, and it's like it comes down to like what we accept as normal. Like there is, like I mean, Swindles quite up and no more normal. It's like there isn't a normal, especially like, if you've moved around. Like I've travelled extensively and you can see why people do things a certain way in a certain place they eat different things they drink in a different way they organize in different ways because of their environment so normal is is relative and we live in a country where most of our choices become our normal rather than there being a normal there isn't an english default for anything like people can't even agree what a full english breakfast is or what a sunday roast is (laughs) So the normal is down to choices, choices that we make for ourselves. So the normal is individual.
0: Mm. It's perspective based. Uh, I, that's how I kind of view it. It's like, yeah. I think of like divorcing yourself from shoulds and woulds, you know, divorcing yourself from this is what I ought to be doing because it's what I feel like I'm expected to do. And kind of divorcing yourself from the, the outside normal creating yourself your own internalised normal, that's based on what you care about. That's like, for example, like, obviously you t- you mentioned like, going to Catholic school, you mentioned to, okay, cool, what what do we eat? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, that, you know, in some cultures, things are very, very normal. In other cultures, you turn up and, are, oh, I'm the outlier here, I'm the anomaly, you know? And then for some people, that in itself is normal. If I want to be meta about it, for some people, being the, framing themselves as the misfit is their normal. It's like, oh, I'm used to this. You know, I'm accustomed to this. This is what is convention for me. Me showing up in a space and me being the only insert whatever here, you know? And then it's like, okay, cool. Well, then is that, how is that benefiting you? Is that benefiting you? Do You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. how, how is your normal... How is your perspective and framing of convention of normal how is that supporting your development how is that bringing
1: joy into into your life how is that creating joy for yourself how is that setting yourself up for greatness exactly like the only reason i'm like this is because that's what makes me happy Mm -hmm. like this is what makes me settled before if i was just asking these questions and then not answering them or not finding the the kind of roots to solving some of the problems that i have or you know, questions I want to ask. Then I wouldn't be happy. But this is what makes me happy: is the pursuit of those things. So, you know, the last—I'd <clears throat> say, I'd say, five, five years maybe. Even through that period, I was a lighthouse, so that was 2017. So, I guess from 2016 to today, I've kind of just engaged with these questions a lot more. And you know, when you're thinking about who you work with and you know what you do, what you listen to, what who you, spend, you know who spent time with, especially through the pandemic and up to now, choices become easier to make. But they're not actually getting harder. Like that's just why like I, I don't want to manage any new people. It's the reason that I can be generous in in a lot of ways, like with work or with um time. But then at the same time I can be very private. Like no one knows anything about me beyond what I share as Elijah, the, the the DJ person. I don't really talk about my personal life at all. But these are the choices and just, so these are the things that make me happy. So I think if we extrapolate this into the future, there isn't like a, a place where I land and I'm going, okay, well, I've completed this now. I've clocked life. I've not clocked the game of life. It's just like mm-hmm. a continuous, oh, like now I've learned about this. Now it's opening up this window in terms of like how to think about the world in a different way. And then what happens when like... We're in a metaverse, or when AI is everywhere, or mm. when you know, like you're talking about wealth being centralised. Like, what happens when wealth is centralised at a completely high, a higher level than today? What happens when there's trillionaires instead of billionaires? What mm. happens when you know, no one owns their house anymore, duh, duh, and we're just renting? Do you know I mean like, do these kind of questions? Right? And being able to be happy in spite of all of these changes, or like, what happens if my health isn't good? Mm. I can still know that part of, I spent a lot of time in my life being able to 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 kind of think through these things and talk about these things with people and, you know, use my art and my day job and um my friends and family to, to bounce these things off. And that's mm. what's made me happy.
0: Kinda of that um that concept of mastery, of, of mastering life in a sense of things maybe i think some people think like oh why, why isn't it getting easier you know like when they're making anything when they're making music when they're doing art when they're learning to play when uh, a skill when they're learning a language you know it's like oh i thought it was gonna get easier and that's actually that's not how mastery works mastery isn't about it getting easier mastery is about do it when when what you were doing before gets easier and then you greet in the challenges that continue to come And keeping and persisting with the development of your skills, persisting with the development of your knowledge. Because really, the people who stick around and persist at whatever they're pursuing tend to be the ones that find success. Because you're the ones that put in the most time. You're the ones that stay dedicated to um, the pursuit of or, or, or continuing the pursuit of knowledge. You know about what? What else is there? You know how else can I find? How else can I do this? How else can I, you know, what's going to change around me and how is that going to impact me?
1: Um, exactly. When people say, like, I've mastered something, that means they usually don't understand it. <sighs> and if you, I mean, if you've mastered anything at our young ages, then it's too easy. It wasn't mm. even something worth mastering.
0: Yeah. Or, or, or are, you, are, you, are you stopping yourself short as well? You know what I'm saying? Like, are you, are you, are you saying, okay, cool, yeah, that's done. And... Also, and maybe leaving and there's nothing wrong with this as well. Leaving stones unturned. You know, I actually really believe in leaving stones unturned. Because brother, yeah. there's like A, there's so many stones and B, there's so many people to turn them. Do you know what I mean? Leave stones unturned. That's fine. Like turn the stones that you actually care about. Like turn the stones that you're like, you, I, I wanna I'm I'm filled with a desire to go and find, you know, what happens when I do this, what happens when I push this button? What happens when I go and have this conversation? What happens if I do something every single day. What happens if I? What happens if I just tell this random person on the street to fuck themselves? You know, go, like random stuff that you're like, I I want to know the results and consequences of these actions. You know, and you'll find out, and you'll take your emotions, things away, and then you'll go and do it again. People who make music for the longest, people who are passionate about music, often start doing music and any other creative skill because it's amazingly fun and maybe don't think about a career initially i'm a firm believer of if you want to do something for money when you want to do something for money and make a career out of it start doing it for free first and if you've already started doing it for free then you might end up making a lot of money from it you see what i'm saying
1: yeah that's kind of how i started in grime anyway like there wasn't there wasn't you know a career there wasn't like some path that you could follow to earning a living it was made. It was made up. That's why it's mm. funny now when I see people say, you know, they want to be a DJ or they want to do some some kind of obscure niche music and be a producer, DJ type person. Again, historically, people have only lived like this for 30 years at best, mm. and a very small pe- small. Kind of group of people, mm. by the way it feels as if that's how it's always been, mm. and it just hasn't. Recorded music has only goes back a hundred years, hundred years. Mm. Electronic music only goes back thirty-five years. Mm. So how many people? You know what I mean, how many people in thirty-five years <laughs> have made a career out of it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, carpentry has been going on for three thousand, <laughs> <laughs> and those are the busiest people I know. Yeah, man, industrious. So, yeah, like people that you know, and that's creative work too. So, mm, I guess like my, my broader point is, you know, when we we talk about you know artistic careers, there is this is a new thing, mm. and mm. we can't underestimate what we're demanding out of the world when we say I want to be an artist, I want to live from it, and I want to you know do it forever. So, mm. who has been able to do that? Yeah, man. and yeah. is that the only way to to be creative in your life like I think I would have even if I was just if I just DJed all the time it would make me a worse DJ like the fact that I'm doing all this other stuff makes me approach it in a completely different way than if I was just living in clubs and only spent all my time in that environment that's why I stopped like doing it so ferociously before I was doing sets in clubs around the world every week but it's, it's not that it doesn't become a challenge it's just that, it's that you, the, the challenge just only becomes physical not mental it's mm. like oh how many places can you get to
0: And it's, numbers it, you know
1: yeah numbers how many tickets can you sell mm. like all these kind of questions rather than it being like what's you're not challenged by ideas you're like okay mm. what happens if I try this idea that way
0: yeah qualitative <laughs> like, you know
1: yeah and hopefully what happens in my life is that, you know, I have a hundred projects. Some will be music, some will be not music, some will be life projects, some will be personal development, some will be, you know, private, some will be, you know, things like that are daily, something that's recognisable by mm. the world, some are for family, some things are, like I'm just scanning a lot of family photos at the moment. Mm. Some will be for other people, some will be, you know, 50 of them will not work. Mm. <laughs> at all um, and others will just be things that I can pass down to to other generations you know what I mean Legacy so, I don't know. yeah, I wouldn't even say it's legacy it's just more like I didn't grow up with male influences so I was raised by women. I don't have a dad and not many other strong day-to-day male role models. Mm. So if I'm able to be that for another generation that would be something i didn't have and now i like know i don't i think i know what i missed but i know what i might be able to to be a value maybe compared um, to you know what i had
0: right a wrong in a sense and like
1: realizing i don't, I don't think anything's it. so wrong it's just the, the situation didn't didn't happen for me in that way and um it's that balance, right? Is that like some people might like have grown up with a parent that it would have been better if they weren't in their lives. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't see it as a wrong. It's just just the way it panned out. But I definitely know that's had an impact on my decision. So because yeah. of that, maybe I've like tried to look after myself, or I've you know gone down a more entrepreneurship route rather than employment. I've done certain things that I think if I had a strong male role model in the house or close to me. Just wouldn't have done what I've mm. done differently maybe I would have just gone to uni and like get a good job and that would have been it and started mm. a family younger and done that kind of stuff but because I've been ultra protective about that I've been more cautious in my relationship building you know the way i interact with my existing family and I guess like you know the way I think about the world and what I expect of people mm. like I don't expect anything of anyone really mm. and it means that I'm Really disappointed. Mm, right. <laughs> and it's healthier.
0: <laughs> Calibrating the expectations and
1: Yeah. Um,
0: like or, like you say as well, like creating your normal, you know, normal normalizing your normal. Do you know what I mean? This is how it's happened to me and this is this is what I expect. Do you know what I'm saying? This is what I'm asking for. This is what I'm shooting for. Um what I want to do to 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 kind of wrap it up in a in a way that I feel like ties in some of the threads that you've been mentioning It's like a question I really like to ask people is um how do you see your your quote-unquote perfect day or your favorite day going as a as a routine like you, you're mentioning uh, uh, different projects that you're trying now that you may be trying in the future and ideas of starting a family and continuing entrepreneurial things and solving problems and collaborations like when you imagine when you're imagining and when you're imagining that um you know that that excellent day what how does it go when you have when you have control over it
1: well now like a like a, a great day will just be seeing something new just because i've been walking the same street every day for you know 500 plus days and i used to <laughs> i used to see a lot of new things all the time when i was traveling so i'd say my perfect day now is walking a different street getting some fresh air yeah, just being in another town. I think just being able to change your surroundings was something that I took for granted. I, I didn't take for granted. I just accepted it as my normal for the time. And now that has completely changed. I've had to, it's taken a while to adjust to only seeing my small area that I live in. Um, whereas before, like, you know, I used to come to Brighton a couple of times a week and be up and down the country. i be in different countries in Europe or in Asia. And that would constitute a normal month for me. And then to go from that to staying in in East London and in, you know, the place that I grew up pretty much all the time. It's a got, like, a really harsh adjustment. So now, yeah, Perfect Days is just a change of scenery. And if I get to work on things or not, I'm happy regardless. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just as happy working as I am relaxing or not working or not being mentally active.
0: Mm. No, man. I like that. I like that. It sounds like the criteria you have for happiness are firm and simple. <laughs> firm and simple. Yeah. Firm and fair, as my grandma would say. Firm and fair. Yeah, man. Yeah. Dude, honestly, um, if, if I can say thank you for for your time and for your wisdom today, um, I'll be a very happy man. Really appreciate you coming on. Really grateful to have this conversation. Yeah, I do
1: uh, brain stirrers. I thought you were going to... I could just answer like these quickly if you want.
0: Bro, to be honest, they're for you. They're for, okay. they're for you okay they for you i'm looking um, at them
1: now i'm just like whoa
0: yeah 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 so it's like it's it's to get it's to it's to kind of like a brain stirrer, like something to kind of like get things going you know like kick things into into gear i have icebreakers that i ask people from time to time and i was thinking i might slide some in And at the same time it's like as we got into the conversation i felt like we, we were kind of we talking about really interesting things and getting really engaged in the conversation so i'm like yeah it's all good you know the way the show goes it's like I'm, I'm reacting to, to the person that's, that I'm that I'm speaking with and um, yeah again that's another reason why I'm really grateful to have you here I really appreciate it cheers man really appreciate thank you, you you know bearing yourself and um, I, I don't think you need me to tell you to keep up the good work I don't think that's helpful what I can say is like I respect what you're doing and I really admire it and I see it and um, I find it yeah I find it very inspiring so do you know what I mean appreciation G appreciation and thanks thank you man respect It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. All right, we'll look it off there. Bless up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Trust Your Journey. Um, I'm hoping it's fulfilling your soul. I'm hoping it's fortifying your mind um, and helping you grow, keeping you entertained. Um, Big shout out to our series editor, Ty Harrison, who's been helping me look after this podcast and make it a reality. You know, hit me up online, hit me up on the socials at Nelson Navarro UK. And let me know how this podcast is helping you because I'm always up for a chat. For now, have a lovely rest of your morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are. Put a smile on if you can. And I love you. Remember to trust your journey.